Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another Daily Shot of Penguins podcast. I'm Taylor Haas, just temporarily filling in for Dayan. Uh, his shows, he'll be back to work on Tuesday, so he'll be back at it again with Wednesday's uh, podcast. This is the last day I'm filling in for him. And if you missed it today, uh, Dave Molinari, Tom Reed, and I, we had our uh, 66 to 87 Penguins podcast come out where we touched on a lot of the bigger picture stuff. And uh, we spoke with Sam Carcitti from the Philly Inquirer about Ron Hextall in his time there, so a lot of good stuff there. Uh, so for this, to avoid uh, you know some overlap, I figured I'd just ask for your questions again, and uh, I got a couple of good ones, so we'll be we'll do that all episode. Uh, we have a lot about uh, potential moves, and the the biggest one people keep asking about is the goaltending. Um, <laughs> it's either about uh, is, is Flurry coming back, or is uh, are the Penguins going after John Gibson, <laughs> and. It, both of them, I, I just, those would be two really tough guys to fit in with the cap situation. I mean, looking at Flurry, um, he's on a $7 million deal. He has one more year after this. The Golden Knights are really not in a position to be retaining any cap space. The Penguins aren't really in a position to be taking on any additional cap. Um, they have a lot of uh, LTIR space right now, but that doesn't do you any good after those injured players come back the long-term injured reserve that that relief that's only meant to help you replace those guys while they're out uh you're not banking any extra space for after those guys come off of long-term IR so uh I I just don't see how 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 flurry works so it'd have to be like a three-team deal where you know another another team retains cap space but there's only so you know there's so little teams in the league that would be able to afford taking on, you know, maybe half of Flurry's cap or so I just I just don't see how how they fit Flurry in with his contract, seven million dollars. It just doesn't really make sense. Um and then Gibson is the other one, uh because yeah, you know he's a he's a Pittsburgh guy. His cap hit is not uh <laughs> he's six point four million. He has a couple of years left, so same deal. The Ducks have a little bit more uh, cap space, but you know they could retur- retain salary if if they made it worth it. But I mean, if you're if you're asking a team to retain salary, you have to pay up more in the trade. And I I just don't know what assets the Penguins have that they could really afford to part with. They don't have really have the prospects to be giving up. They they don't have the draft picks. They don't have you know the first round pick in this coming draft. So I I just don't see what you give to the Ducks to, to make this worth it. I mean, they're, uh, you know, they have a little bit of wiggle room to where they could retain salary, but really not that much. Um, it just, you know, the cap, the flat cap, it's making it hard for a lot of teams. So I don't, I don't see how either of these guys come back, come to Pittsburgh. Um, one of the assets that they could move that brings us to uh Erica's question he says if healthy big if what happens with all of these left-handed defensemen so uh Marcus Pedersen 
pretty safe to say he'll be in the lineup Tuesday. Uh, Mike Sullivan's never going to tell us, you know, lineup decisions that early, but uh, he's been a full participant for a few days now, uh, taking regular, you know, line rushes. And one of the biggest tells, I think, when a guy is about to come back from injury is that, you know, they'll put him uh, on, on the special teams units uh, and, Marcus Pedersen, in Monday's practice, he was on the top PK uh, for pretty much the entire special teams work. So that kind of tells me that he'll probably be ready to play Tuesday. Uh, and that, right now, uh, that that creates a good situation, finally, for the first time in uh, really, what, since the start of the season. Um, they can afford to have three left-handed D and three right-handed D and create that balance. I mean, you remember there was a time there when, you know, P.O. Joseph was the only left-handed D, uh, in the healthy left-handed D in the lineup. So um, that creates some balance. Now they have Dumoulin still hurt, Rico is still hurt. When those guys start to come back, those are two left-handed guys, then it creates more of, uh, you know, some tough decisions. Dumoulin obviously really should be in the lineup. Uh, we saw... You know, Matheson in that game, that first game against the Capitals, that was his first, you know best game of the season. He, he was one of the best defensemen in that game, him and Cody Ceci, uh, two guys who really had a kind of a rough start to their to their Penguins careers. Uh, and when, if, you know, all their left-handed defensemen are healthy, that, you know, kind of, that's tough because P.O. really shouldn't go back down to Wilkes-Barre or their taxi squad. He deserves to be in the lineup. Uh, I mean, out of that group, Dumoulin, you know, he should be in that, the lineup out of that group. And then Matheson, if Matheson keeps playing well, it, you know, it could be tough. Um, Ricola, you know, you'd like to see him keep playing, but with, with the group they have, I think, you know, he would still be one of the depth guys. But, you know, it does create an interesting trade chip. Pio's emergence, you know, you're, you're not going to move Pio. Matheson, even though he's playing well, that's still a, that would be a really tough contract to move. If I, you know, he he wouldn't be a good uh, trade asset. You're not going to get a whole lot back for him just because a lot of teams aren't going to want to take on that contract. Rico is not a guy you're going to move because he's still very unproven at this level. He's never really played that many uh, games, you know, consistently. Uh, and or at least as a defenseman, I mean, he had a couple games as a you know forward last season. And uh, with his cap hit, it just it's just not worth it. You wouldn't be getting much back for him with the cap hit he makes. So it it, it brings it down to either Pedersen or Dumoulin. Both of them are young enough, good enough that you'd be able to get you know a decent return back. And it, out of those guys, you know who would you move? I it would just depend on who you're who they'd be going after. Um, Dumoulin, obviously the better of the two there. So it, it would take a lot for him to be the guy that, you know, they move, but, uh, he's, uh, it, w it would come down to him and Pedersen. I think, I think one of them has to be moved because, I mean, there's that, that back jam on, on defense, but then also, you know, they're, they're going to make a move at some point this season. And they really just, like I said, don't have a whole lot that they can afford to give up. So Left-handed D seems like the, the best bet for, for the next trade piece. Uh, another kind of contract uh, player movement question. Lee says, seems no way Malkin signs here after his contract is up. Uh, agree or disagree? 
Uh, I, I don't, so Malkin's contract is up, um, next season. He has, so this season or next season left, uh, $9.5 million. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, he retires his, as a professional hockey player in Pittsburgh. I think eventually, you know, he does go back to Russia. Um, his, his wife said that much, uh, over the summer, she did an interview with a Russian website and she said it would be right if uh, he retires in the KHL uh, with Magnitogorsk, his hometown team, where he got his start. But, um, you know, she was pretty clear that she thought that his NHL career, he would finish in here uh, in Pittsburgh. She said, uh, let's see, I have the quote pulled up here. Uh, she said, Malkin has spent many years in Pittsburgh and knows everything here. He and Crosby are two number ones. Together, they won three cups. No one said Sid is less talented. He's a giant in hockey. Plus, if Malkin consulted with me, asked if I would like to move to one of the more beautiful cities where he would, you know, be the number one on the team, uh, I would probably say no. If he wins a fourth cup, it will happen in Pittsburgh. Uh, a good coach and team atmosphere are very important. Pittsburgh has it all. They love him there, and he does too. Uh, so I, I'm inclined to believe her that, uh, you know, Malkin will fin finish his NHL career in Pittsburgh. Um, I think Malkin is at the point where, you know, he, he might not be able to expect that same contract. Uh, maybe teams elsewhere would offer more money, but I, I think, I just can't see Malkin leaving Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think he finishes, you know, a short-term deal here. I don't think he would want term, um, just because eventually he, you know, he would probably like to go back to Russia, retire in the KHL. So, yeah, I, I, I think they resign him. Maybe even if it's like a one-year, two-year deal, just, you know, as long as he wants to keep playing in the NHL before he goes back. So, uh, I think that's, that's a pretty safe bet. So, uh, seems like a good place to wrap it up for this segment. We'll be back at it uh, with more questions in the second segment, so stay tuned. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food to all of our neighbors in need in western Pennsylvania. They're here for you and you need them. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. We have a couple more questions lined up. I like doing these all, all question uh, episodes mostly because I'm not as good as just monologuing for 20-25 minutes the way Dan is. So uh, I think this is a pretty easy way to get through it. But uh, first question, Fred, he says, what goalie is closest to getting a shot with the big squad? So if you read my practice story from uh, Monday, you'd have that answer. Uh, Max Legacy, uh, he was elevated from the taxi squad to the active roster on Sunday because Casey DeSmith is sick, not COVID-related. Uh, and then he practiced in full on, 
uh, Legacy did on on Monday because DeSmith still wasn't feeling well, so Sullivan said they didn't want to have him around uh, the rink. And, I mean, that was quite a challenge for Legacy because uh, he's been with the Taxi Squad. The Taxi Squad, for the most part, has not really had any interaction with the active roster because, um, obviously, you know, the reason they're there is, you know, if there's, like, a COVID situation or something that, you know, they can step right in. So the Penguins have been keeping them pretty separate. There's some overlap, like, churchmen on the taxi squad practices, uh, you know, with the active roster most days, and uh, injured guys on the active roster, they both skate with the taxi squad. So there's a little bit of overlap, but um, for the most part, the taxi squad, it's just, you know, like two to, you know, maybe maybe six skaters, depending on if they have injured guys. So, you know, I, I wrote earlier in the week how, how tough that just is for, for a goalie because, you know, normally they're trying to, like, read and react off of ten skaters on the ice, and they've pretty much just been working with, you know, just, just a handful of guys. So, like I say, stepped in. Um, Sullivan, I asked Sullivan, he said he thought, you know, Legacy looked good given the circumstances. Uh, he did say he heard Legacy say to Buckley that he's just not used to this pace yet. Um, I asked Legacy. Legacy said that uh, the um, it was a challenge at first, but by the end of it, he felt that he was more more up to speed. Uh, if you're not familiar with Legacy, 28 years old, they signed him uh, early, early in free agency. Uh, he was with uh, Boston's organization last season. He spent the whole year in Providence in the AHL as their starter. He, he, had, he had really good numbers down there. Uh, 237 goals against average, 919 save percentage. Uh, so that was good for him. He does have NHL experience. He was in uh, Vegas' system before coming to Boston. And uh, Vegas' inaugural season, you know, they had a couple of injuries to, to defense all at once. Uh, Fleury, Subban, um, Oscar, I think Dansk, Dansk, yeah, I'm not sure you pronounce it, but um, they were all hurt at the same time, so Legacy really stepped up. Uh, he played 16 games that year. Uh, not great numbers, but uh, that was his first NHL experience, and, you know, he had, he had to play, you know, a bunch of consecutive games, so, uh, you know, he said he, he learned a lot about himself as a goalie that year, so, uh, and he's the only one, uh, he's the only option right now that has NHL experience, so, Legacy would be the next guy up. Uh, Alex Doria was the other goalie on the taxi squad. He spent all of last year in a wheeling. And, and they're, they're really high on him as a prospect. Um, Kyoto has, has spoken a few times about just uh, how, how calm he is. Um, he doesn't really get rattled. Um, and they... He, he deals re with adversity really well. Going, I mean, back to in juniors when he was on... The St. John Sea Dogs, he did win a Memorial Cup there as backup, but then when he was a starter, um, they were in a rebuilding uh, stage already. So he was facing, like, you know, 50 shots a night some nights, and he he handled it really well. So after Legacy, it would probably be Dorio, but the Emil Army is the guy they have right now in Wilkes-Barre playing. Um, probably rated a little bit higher than Dorio in the depth chart. That's why they want him playing in Wilkes-Barre and continuing to develop. Uh, and he's he's looked really good uh, this year for Wilkes-Barre. I've been watching all of their games. Uh, he's really taken steps forward. He, he had a really tough year last year. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was either his third or one of those early starts. Um, he, he got a concussion 
right at the end of the period. He didn't know it was a concussion at the time. Uh, and then he went back to the to the locker room and he fainted during intermission. So he was out for about a month when they were just trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And then, you know, when he came back, they they had to, I mean, DeSmith was down there. And then Dustin Tokarskin, an AHL deal. It was really hard for him to find just consistent playing time. He did go down to Wheeling for a bit, which helped him. But this year, Larmy's in there as the, as the number one guy, the clear number one guy. He started every game. And just his confidence this year. And, um, you know, he's had a couple of games where... So he's a very aggressive goaltender. So I, one of the games early on, you know, he, he'll come out to, to play the puck a lot more than... Uh, maybe most goalies would. Um, and they like that aggressiveness about him, but there is, you know, a risk-reward, and sometimes he does get burned. Um, and, yeah, two games ago, there was a moment like that very early in the game where he came out to play the puck, flubbed it, turned it over, um, goal. And just the way he settled down after that, he didn't let it get to him, and he put together a strong game. Um, I know I know they're really happy with him. Wilkes-Barre coach J.D. Forrest, very high on him. Uh, so that's kind of your depth, your depth chart. You know, they do have the two over in Europe, uh, Joel Blomquist and Kalik Klang. Uh, Klang's hurt right now. Uh, of course, Penguin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those, th that's your depth chart. Uh, Blomquist and Klang won't be over here for, uh, at least another year, maybe two. Um, I, they want to put together good seasons in Europe before they come over. But moving on from the goalie prospects, we do have another prospect question from, uh, Erica's, uh, sorry to keep f firing questions. I think he had one last, uh, last segment too, but he, most NHL ready pro prospects. Uh, he, he says Bellarive. He asked about Bellarive. Bellarive would probably be my answer. Um, just from watching him, um, very he, solid, just two way forward. Um, when he's not chipping in offensively, he still finds ways to contribute very physical. Um, and, I I thought, you know, he was one of their more ready guys last season. And this season, Wilkes-Barre coach J.D. Forrest even says, you know, he's taken steps forward. Yeah, well, we've already seen what we were kind of hoping to see, which is it looks like he's taken advantage of this long offseason and he's picked up a step. Um, he definitely looks quicker out there um, and just more confident with the puck. And I've already told him that as a staff, we've, we've noticed that and are, are really happy with what we're seeing, at least from, a, from the eyeball test um, of, of how he looks this early part of the year. And that's great to hear, because, I mean, I, I've, I mentioned before, Bellary's biggest thing before was his speed, and just to hear that, you know, he took, took steps forward in that area, just, uh, you know, he would be my pick. And then, let's see, uh, <laughs> another good question. This one is left on the site. Um, from Rick in Germany. Um, he says, does the last two games show that the Penguins actually missed Aston Reese? Uh, and how important is it to have, you know, that, that line rolling uh, in the NHL for, you know, the full 60 minutes? I, I said this before. When, when Aston Reese was practicing and starting to look like he was going to come back, I, I wrote something, you know, about how much that line missed him. And, you know, I dove into the stats, you know, from last year and um, and, you know, there are a couple comments talking about, you know, how overrated he is and, you know, like, you know, in, in uh, other teams, he would just be an average, you know, bottom six forward. And and I, I don't I don't know why Penguins fans underrate this guy so much. He, he was literally 
the best defensive forward in the league last season. Um, not talk about the most skilled guy or you know who's going to put up the, me- the best points, but just if you look at really any advanced stat that measures you know defensive uh, play pos- possession, uh, he's number one or, or right up there. The one that um, the easy one to look at. Uh, expected goals against that rate so that measure I've mentioned it a few times that measures you know how uh the the quality of shots they allow the quantity and quality so if they're if you know they're letting in allowing a lot of high danger shot attempts that you know counts towards this and uh so it it the allowing a low quantity of shots and then also low quality shots that will have get uh, a player a good expected goals against, and he was number one in the league in that in that regard. And then there's like a an adjusted stat like that where you adjust for uh, you know quality of competition and uh, deployment because you know not all of these forwards have equal time. Uh, starting in the offensive zone or the defensive zone. So when you adjust for all that, he was number two. So, <laughs> I mean, and we're we're seeing that just in this, you know, limited sample size when he came back. So looking at uh, the, the advanced numbers. So this season, Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger without Zach Aston Reese, they still have pretty good um, possession numbers. They're, they're course C4 percentage, so... Uh, what percentage of shot attempts are controlled by the Penguins when that line is on the ice? 50.88%. So they're, they're controlling, you know, the majority of the shot attempts when, when that line is on the ice, so without Astoners. 50.88%. Now, looking at, you know, these past couple games when Zach Astoners has been with them, when the three of them are together, they're controlling 58.62. So it goes up. They're controlling more shot attempts when Astoners is on the ice. And when you look at, so that's shot attempts, so unblocked, um, uh, blocked shots, missed shots, un, you know, shots, actual shots on goal, that encompasses all of that. And then when you look at, you know, actual shots on goal, um, <laughs> the difference is even uh, greater. Uh, so Tanev and Bluger without Astoners, um, they control, the Penguins control 44.83% of all shots on goal when they're on the ice. So that means that opponents are getting off more shots on goal than the Penguins when they're out there without Aston Reese. Now the three of them together, they're controlling 70.59% of shots on goal when they're together. So, I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, and then another big tell is uh, expected goals for. So kind of like what I said before with expected goals against. So this is the type of shots that they are taking themselves. Um, you know, the, the sh- you know, shots that are more, li- the type of shots that are more likely to, to lead to goals from, you know, different areas. That'll, the ones that are more likely to lead to goals, that'll get you a better expected goals for. Um, Tandem and Blue without Aston Reese, their expected goals for uh, 49.31. So below uh, average, the other team is doing better in that regard. And then Aston Reese, Tanev, Bluger together, 75.73. So we saw this last year, too, the same kind of pattern when, when Aston Reese went down uh, at the end of the season. Uh, 
Tanner and Bluger, they still kind of fared okay without him. But when the three of them were together, the results were just you know, like night and day. So I, I think... I, I think Aston Reese is so just underappreciated here. I I know, you know, I, I'm, I'm just focusing on the advanced stats here um, because it's just so easy to quantify what they're doing. But, I mean, you see it on the ice, how much they control the play, the, the pressure they put on opponents. Um, all three of them, they really bring different elements to that line. Bluger, just such a good uh, defensive center. I mean, Tanev, I don't even really need – you know Tanev. Uh, just the energy he brings, physicality. Um, and then Aston Reese – just very good defensively, and I think something we, we might see a little bit more from him this year, uh, maybe more more of a scoring touch, uh, and I say that because of his shoulder. He did have shoulder surgery, and he did say that um, that shoulder injury dates back to his first season in the league, and you know he's just been playing with it since then. It's, that's kind of a common thing guys do. They'll, they'll play through um, kind of a weak shoulder if, if it doesn't need surgery but then over time it will weaken and they will need surgery so that's what happened with him uh finally got it fixed he said it feels better than ever uh that's giving him more more confidence on the ice and I mean he is scoring at a goal per game pace uh you know he had that goal in his first game the last one was an empty netter but counts all the same so we'll see how that uh that line keeps playing together uh it's only been you know been a couple games but but they've looked great so far so uh let's see a good good place to wrap it up there Uh, again you're listening to the daily shot of penguins podcast i'm taylor hosh just temporarily filling in for day and thanks for sticking around in these uh couple of days and i've taken every day and show he'll be back at it again uh tomorrow and, and thanks again for listening